welcome to How I Got Here, the inside stories of startups and innovation in travel and transportation with your hosts, FocusWire's Kevin May and Mozio's David Litwack. Hello, everyone. Welcome to How I Got Here, Mozio and FocusWire's weekly podcast about innovators in travel and transportation. Today, we're joined by Fabio Cannavale. Fabio is the founder of what is now the Last Minute Group, a group of companies that have gone by various names over the years, including BravoFly Rombo and Volo Gratis and more. Fabio founded in 2006 with Marco Corredino when they uh, launched Volo Gratis, a search engine for low-cost flights in the Italian market. It now owns brands like Rumbo, BravoFly, JetCost, and after acquired LastMinute.com, became the LastMinute.com group on the Swiss Stock Exchange. In addition, Fabio was the third person on the eDreams team, so he has a long history in the industry, and we're super thrilled to have him today. Thanks for joining us today, Fabio. Hello. Hi to everybody. So we like to start every one of these interviews the same way, which is to ask you the the, uh, very simple question for you to explain how you got here. Okay, you did in short already my story, (laughs) but let's say that uh, if I come by a little bit earlier that everything is important, I'm an engineering. I did an MBA at the INSEAD in 93. Then in 96, then I joined McKinsey, worked three years in McKinsey before I worked in Educare. So I did all all over six years in management consulting. Then when uh, in 96, I left everything because I was fed up of uh, this uh, management and I started sailing for one year and a half. I sailed with my wife around the world. Then when I came back, I founded a tour operator because my passion is travel. And so a tour operator was called Floating Village that was sending people in Venezuela and Los Roques in sailing vacation, but by cabin. So I was selling this product to the normal traditional tour operator. And in this period, as some former colleagues founded the dreams and invested in the dreams, so it was a McKinsey, let's say, relationship. In 99, I joined the team. First, I invested in the seed, and then I joined the team of the dreams when there was nothing. Dreams was an idea that was founded in US to do a website like Expedia, let's say, in Europe, but they had no clue about travel. So after a, a couple of meetings, they said, but Fabio, you are an, tra- an expert in travel and passionate about travel. You have to work with us. And so I joined the team as a third person. I get some shares, unfortunately not enough for my role. And uh, I start working because I knew all the tour operator and all the dynamics of travel. And, uh, and so we, we could have some content. So we launched in 99, I remember, before the end of the crazy uh, let's say uh, I, uh, New Year of uh, 99, that it was a special moment. The site in Italy, it was the first site worldwide uh, of your dreams. And then I went to Spain and to support the team to launch also the Spanish site. And they stay in your dreams for three years. It was really amazing. Yes, it was totally different. Considering Google was not existing and we were going to have advertising uh, to the newspapers. Uh, I mean, to the site, but it was like newspaper. So we were buying the travel page for a flat amount. And it was a totally different way to work. We raised in the dreams $36 million in two years. And that was great. And we had a lot of money to, 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 to spend. Then after the crisis of uh, 
Uh, we had some discussion about how to destructure it. We had spent already 30 million out of 36. So we were thinking what to do next. And there was some, let's say, uh, discussion among the team as I own only 3% of the dreams. At the end, the uh, two major shareholders, uh, John and uh, James and Javier, took the control of the company. And I, I left the dreams, but I learned a lot of the dreams because it was the first time we did an OTA in Europe. And so after I founded Vola Gratis, not in 06, as you said, but in 04 officially, but in reality in 03. Because in the beginning, Vola Gratis is a totally bootstrapped. So we founded the company with 10,000 euro. This is by the way the reason why me and Marco, even after all many years acquisition, uh, IPO, we still own 45% of the company because we didn't have, this is a very good lesson for the startup. We didn't have any capital in the beginning. So we arrived after six years in 2010 where we still own 100% of the company. This is very important to keep ownership. And also after 16 years, 17 years, we still own and manage the company. This is something also that is quite unusual at, at least in Europe. So, but to come back to the story, so in uh, 03, we said, okay, there are all these OTA, but no one has low-cost flights. And so we have the idea to have a platform to sell low-cost flights. So Ryanair, EasyJet, there was many airlines, nobody news, and it was a totally disruption in the market. There was two companies doing that, Skyscanner in UK, but there was more a meta search, and us in Italy. And in the beginning, we... Our first idea was to be a meta search, but then we couldn't do because nobody was paying to us enough in CPC. And so we decided to become OTA. It was not very easy to understand how could be the business model because the low cost airlines were not giving us any money. So we had to charge an agency fee. And people going directly to Ryanair, EasyJet were spending less. So it was not so clear how we could survive. But at the end, this product has a huge success in, 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 in Italy. We had much more traffic of Expedia for flights in very, very short time because we had a much better offer. You went to eDreams or to Expedia and you didn't have the low-cost flights. And so at the end, the one flight that we were sending, I don't know, round trip from Milan to London for 50, 60 euro, in the other website were costing 200. And so we were perceived as the cheap. Also, the name was Vola Gratis, so file for free. And we had a very good success. We were very good in mastering Google. And we had a lot of experience of a dream site, a lot of contact for advertising. We did a lot of trade to advertising. So from a very small company, Bootstrap, we grew a lot. We did, by the way, it's very funny. The first partnership we did was with lastminute.com because we didn't have the, uh, let's say, normal flight, carrier flight. And we did an agreement with lastminute.com to use their site to, uh, to sell carrier flights, so the, the, the national carrier. And after two years, I remember, they decided to quit this agreement because we were selling more flights than them on, on their own site. And so at the end, they said, there is something that doesn't work. So we did, uh, developed the platform to sell all the kind of flights. So then you, then you say the story, at the end, we grew a lot, we changed a lot of names, why? Because we started from a small Italian startup, then first big acquisition was Rumbo in Spain, and uh, we spent 80 million in 2010, all financed by, by the banks. 
and by the money that was inside the company. Then we founded a, a brand that was Bravo Fly to sell outside because Volagati was not an international brand. And then every time we try, when twice we bought company that were larger than us, so Rumbo and Last Minute, and to involve better all the uh, employees and to give an idea to be included everyone. And also because the brand was most famous, we changed the name of the group and this is why now we are lastminute.com. If I have to say in one sentence about this journey, which is the, 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 the value, the reason why we are there, is because really you have to change the mentality of the people. So it's very difficult what you need when you have a startup with two people, with three people, in, 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 the, in the beginning, me and Marco, we were doing in the night the uh, customer care. Then we hire one person only to do customer care. Then we hire a developer. And this kind of team you need is very different of what we need now that we have more than 1,000 employees and we have a lot of HR, finance, and other stuff. And I think the quality uh, of the company that can grow is when you have the, the know-how and the culture really to understand what does it mean uh, to grow a company. Because the people you need when you are big and international, the skill of the people is totally different of the skill of the startup. And normally what I see, at least in Italy, uh, the, the unicorn, let's say, Ux, uh, mutual line, we never have been a unicorn because our maximum capitalization was 100 million. Uh, the, 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 the characteristic of the founder is that all the founders have studied abroad, that have an MBA. So having this kind of know-how, I think, allow you to scale up. Because it's easy to do a startup, it's not so easy to scale up. And because also for scale up, you need finance, you need to go to the banks, you need to do IPO, you need to have a good management team. So things that is not only the product and the, uh, the, the scale up. So this is in a short, uh, my history, then tell me, on which I can be more precise. <laughs> okay, thank you very much uh, for joining us, Fabio. I mean, let, I mean, let's go right back to that period where you were working with the team at eDreams. And it's an interesting story because it's, um, I, I, I think a few people know that it did start out in a, as a US, you know, it has its kind of seeds in Silicon Valley. So, and... Um, and ended up being a European OTA. So, I mean, just talk us through that kind of, that period of um, being over there in the US and then realizing that it was going to be uh, better for the company to start the ball rolling, as it were, here in Europe, where you and I are today. Yeah, it's, it was really amazing because it means, uh, is born, was born by uh, the merger of uh, uh, Javier that was Spanish and James was American. Yeah. They met in Stanford and, you know, it was Stanford 98. So it was the area of internet, everything new and whatever, Expedia. And so they said, okay, what do we have to do? Do in travel. What do we do in Europe? Because just because there was already Expedia in US, they do in Sweden. And it's funny because the idea of your dreams was not to sell flights, but to give guides. There was dream guides. Something that totally failed and we yeah. cancelled totally like in 2001 or 2002. And the idea was that the dream guys uh, was expert of travel that can give uh, advice of the traveler about local advice. You know, this model that today, after 23, 25 years, 
uh, 20, let's say 19, 22 years, is still difficult to do. Is, is in a way is a uh, uh, trip advisor, but was not really trip advisor, but the idea was to have local people. Uh, one of the founding fund was about.com, that was yeah. uh, something similar in US. And so the concept was totally wrong. So it's not was wrong, it was correct, but really not applicable. And this is something that I learned a lot in my life, that something that sounds very nice, many times is not doable because then the advice were not good. There was not a business model. It was a mess to manage all the people. There was a point where we had like 2,000 guides all around the world. We had to pay them like something like 50 euro per each one. It was a mess. And there was no money on that. And it was funny because then after that, we say, okay, the guide, okay, but what we can do, we sell tour operator package. So we start selling tour operator package. There was no flights. You see, the today dreams in 90% flights. Yeah. First year, at least, there was no flights. Only packages. It was the site was really like a magazine and advertising with some ideas. And then all the sales was done by call center. And we set up a call center with a lady that I met in Italy that was an expert, very expert in travel agents. We had at the time, I think, like 20, 40 agents. And just the, 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 uh, the site was uh, a, a, a something to get some links. And then all, the, all the, the battle was on the phone. That was in the beginning. Then after one year or two, I convinced Javier, say, okay, maybe Javier, we have to sell also flights because otherwise flights is the business. Consider that flights, there was not electronic ticket. We had to send the ticket till to, 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 to the customer. I remember also when we started Volant Gratis in 04, there was still paper flights. I think in, 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 in Europe, paperless flights arrived like in 2008 because there was a lot of uh, fight of the system, traditional travel agents again, against electronic ticketing. So it was... Yeah. Tell me, Fabio, I mean, when you got to the stage where you were going to launch bravo fly what did you learn from that initial experience of being on the dreams founding team that you thought we're not going to repeat that whether it's a particular type of practice or whether it's a business model what what, what is there anything that you can pick out a lot uh, many things first uh, having control of the company so right. the dreams uh, uh I think I contribute at least as the other partner to, uh, to the company, but as they were the founder after dilution, they had, I think, 15% each, and I had like 2%. And so I was very important in the reality, but nothing in the shares. So I found it with Marco, but my point was, Marco, I have 51 and you have 49. By, by the way, Marco was hired by me in his dreams, who was the marketing director. And, and, uh, and so I started with that. So having the control. Until today, we own 45%. We have the same, uh, let's say, uh, holding company where I have 70%. So I control the company because I have 45% together with Marco, but I control the holding. And I think having control of what you do, it's very important. Because yeah. at the end, in all the key moments, you can decide. This is the first lesson. And say never again do something where I am in minority. Second lesson, not waste the money. 
and not listen too much to investors. I remember that in the dreams we had, this was this crazy period, 1999, that the more you were spending, the better it is. It was like Bo.com. There was a lot of company that was spending a lot. Uh, I remember we, they wanted us to spend like two million to have broadband. That is something that today is, is uh, 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 I mean, it's all free software and things like that. So at the end, having no resources, we were much smarter because at the end we use everything for free. No, I mean, we didn't use ever database or anything, all the software. Uh, basically, we try to, to, to have the less expensive solution. And uh, there are a lot of things that you can do for free. That, by the way, we were also very lucky that we grew together with Google. I remember a lot of time we were ready to buy something very expensive and Google was coming with uh, uh, like analytics, for example. Before Google Analytics, that is for free, there was a lot of things that was very expensive and much less effective. And then Google Docs, Google Mail, whatever. Uh, I am an ambassador, let's say, of Google uh, entrepreneurship uh, because many companies should do this Google because it's cheaper and normally work better. Yeah. And, and also, a lot also we learn about marketing because first, when we started the dreams, uh, the, Google was not existing, at least in Europe. Uh, I don't remember when Google was founded, probably 1998, I don't remember. Yeah but was not relevant. So what we were, we were going to portals like Yahoo, like the local one in Italy, and buy the travel section. And it was a very, without no idea. So I give you 10,000 per month, 5,100. There was no logic on that. There was no CPI, CPC. There was no all this concept. So it was very funny, but we learned that there was no value in that because you pay that, it's useless. So we try to be more. Then at the end of the dreams, like zero one, zero two, where I Google, we learn how to use Google. And really, I think the, the reason why we could have success with Bola Gratis is that we were the smarter people using Google because we were doing in the same moment, investing ourselves in Google and doing campaign for our lines for Google because for the, the, the people, the, the marketing director of the airlines were much less smarter than us, especially the, the low cost one, but everyone also at Italia or whatever. And we were going to say, okay, how much you spend for this campaign? Okay, I give me 20,000, 30,000, this amount, not a lot. And I give you the same traffic and I certify how many people I send to you. And so we were bringing the people on Vola gratis and then we were making trading. So we were spending this money of the airlines, the, all the users were coming to Vola gratis and then we were sending the people to them. But there was so big margin because we were spending like 0.10 for user and they were used to spend 0.304. And so we did contract on 0.304 and we were buying the, the traffic of 0.10. So we did a huge trading. We learned very, very much how to use the tool. I remember the first time that Google contacted us because we were doing everything in Google with Ireland, with credit card account. And then we became very quickly one of the biggest spenders for Google in Italy. So the Google account came to us and say, you know what, I show you the benchmark. You know how it works, these adverts, no? With the benchmark, whatever. And they show me Expedia. I say, yeah, interesting, but you don't have any real idea of me because I don't have one account. We have five accounts. And at the end, we are spending 
making all the calculation, alpha focus based PDR, and we have double traffic. And they were totally surprised, say, how this is possible? They are the benchmark of S client, I say, sorry. We have four times the performance. Because really, I mean, engineering, we were using all the tools and we were very, very focused on AdWords. Yeah. And it was the difference. And nobody there was so, let's say, we had a team of engineering working on AdWords in 0405, and nobody was doing that. And this was really a change, and this was something that we didn't do in the dreams. Okay. Very, very interesting. There's so many questions I wrote down while you were while you were talking here. But you know, the, normally the, the cadence of these interviews is I'm asking business analytical questions and Kevin is asking about the people. So I'm going to roll reversal here, though, because you said some really interesting uh, things there about um, your culture and, and employees and maintaining control. But the first one I wanted to dive in on is you, you talked about you know saving money, and I think it's very easy to have a frug frugal culture. Um, it's, it's easy to be creative when you have no money, right? <laughs> and I think you, you see this very often with the kind of soft bank, um, you know, kind of backed companies these days that get, you know, a billion or $2 billion at valuations that they never were even asking for and end up, you know, uh, pissing it away and end up in a worse situation than they were before. And, and <clears throat> as an entrepreneur, I sometimes roll my eyes when like VCs will tell me things kind of like, oh, well, you know, sometimes it's not good to have a lot of money. And I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's always good to have a lot of money. It's like, it's just whether or not you can control yourself. And it sounds like you have kept a good culture uh, of being, uh, how do you, how have you kept your frugal culture as you've grown and you have more abundance? Yeah, this is very difficult. It's a very good team because especially when we bought last minute, it was totally the opposite. Last minute, we bought for one pound, but they were losing 40 million per year. But last minute was never made money. Well, this minute was founded in 98. Then they did the IPO, then they sold to Sibor. And from the day one to when we bought them in 2015, they always lost money. So the mentality was that you don't have to make money. And so there was a lot of inefficiency, contacts and things like that. So buying that, I remember, for example, a big discussion with the CFO that we had, or the CEO of Lasmino, that was about uh, uh, SaaS versus uh, uh, you, uh, the Microsoft system, SAS versus the, uh, I don't remember now, the Microsoft solution for, let's say, accounting. And they would say, no, you know, only because one system costs uh, three times. You, you cannot imagine to manage a company of 1,000 employees with this system. And so, let's say, it's natural when the company grows that the management tend to have the benchmark, the premium product, because they think it's better. And it's a big fight to go down, to be more frugal, as you said. So what happened when we bought last minute, the first year we, so we were doing probably 25 million EBDA, they were losing 40. So the first year we lost 50 million. And then we had to go to a very strong, let's say, and fight for, for years to go back. And then for years we went, okay, then to 10 million, 15. We were really making very low EBDA and we did a big work to arrive the, the pre-COVID to do 72, 73 million that we did last year. Because you really understand that in a big company, naturally, there is a lot of things that uh, nobody uses. For example, we put a person that is from my total trust, that is with us since uh, uh, 
2006 from last year as responsible of all the acquiring. Acquiring in the sense of all the contracts we do. Because the tendency was that the IT people want to have totally autonomous. They don't want to have any contract. And we discovered to have at least 20 contracts that nobody was using for maybe more than 1 million euro per year totally wasted. And this is the company that is still a startup, still managed by the owner. I can imagine what can happen in a big company. Because at the end, the risk is very difficult. Your answer is, if you are frugal yourself, so for example, me and Marco, we have normally no salary, we have only incentive, we have zero salary, only based on results. We have no secretary, we have no office. We go in the open space. So if you give, and Marco, I don't go, I mean, then I leave uh, uh, like 10 minutes by car by the office. Marco come every day with the train, in second class with the train, with all, and he says every time to me, I learn and I work much more for the company in the train from Milan to Castle, 40 minutes in the morning at 8.15, and in the, in the evening when I go back at 6, because it's a good example, he can talk with the people in the train, and it's an example of everyone, because if the CEO of the company that is very big, they value a lot of money, go every morning with the train to uh, the people is a big sign of frugality. And, and I think this is the, is the way, but it's very difficult in a way. I mean, it sounds like, you know, part of the answer is set a really good example yourself and be, you know, be okay with, you know, not enjoying the riches of, uh, you know, and just continuing to, yeah, to do that. Um, well, uh, yeah, like you mentioned something else about maintaining control. Um, and you said you, you started with 3%, you know, at the, uh, at eDreams and, you know, that poses an interesting question, right? Because at some point, everyone has to have 3%. You have a 51-49 split with your co-founder, right? But that means someone else had zero for a long time who was working a lot, you know, really hard for you. And, you know, it's never going to be equitable. Like that's, you know, uh, to, you know, the point. So how do you as a founder actually think about keeping your team motivated um, while, you know, when, when they aren't, you know, equity upside and incentivized the same way you are? Well, this is a very key point and it's, it's not an easy answer. So let's say we gave uh, a lot, uh, a lot, uh, some shares to the, to the motivated people. What is my philosophy normally is that uh, we want to see the commitment for the people. So what we did many times, we borrow money to buy shares. In some cases, we, let's say, I don't know, we... As I can say, we borrow money and give some guarantee that they, they will not have a loss. Then there's also some fiscal problem. But let's say, in general, if people put commitment, because a lot of plan, I see also in many other companies where I'm in the board and invested, a lot of uh, stock option plan are given too much for free because people don't understand. There is a big cost for the company and the people don't understand the value. So if the people put... For example, in, we have a plan, it's a long-term incentive plan, where people put uh, normally uh, a part of their bonus in the time. Because we uh, borrow the money of that. And then this is a, a company, let's say, where whatever is invested by the people is invested four times in the shares. So at the end, there is a leverage of 16. 
because the fourth time is the money we borrow to the person, and then four times how much the company is borrowed. So it's a risk because it means that uh, if the title go down, fortunately all our people bought from nine to 15, so even if now we are very bad in the COVID, they are holding the money. I think that every variable incentive that is uh, both a long-term incentive plan and short-term incentive, it's key and the people really have to feel the company as their company. But if I can say, it's not only the money important, we have a core team of people that really feed the company as it is their company. And this is, uh, I think, one thing that really matters a lot is if the company is owned by entrepreneurs and they see that the entrepreneurs are there every day to work with them and they have access to the entrepreneur and they are very fast in the decision making, I think this is a very good motivation versus having a manager, having a corporate, a big company. So I see our, let's say, uh, competitor like uh, Expedia, uh, Booking, but also Dreams, where there is funds, there is a CEO that is a manager. The way you can motivate people is totally different. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm interested, Fabio. You said when you were talking about eDreams, you said there were things that they that they were doing that were nice but not doable with, with with regards to product and i wonder if there was anything in those early few years with uh, bravo fly that were that you would designate as nice but not doable just because they didn't fit in with the strategy at the time yes i mean uh, uh many times you are let's say uh probably too much much advanced versus what the customer is ready to do. Uh, and sometimes you are late. Uh, I give you some examples. So we like to, uh, for example, to be a meta search, and but too early, then we bought the meta search jet cost. That was, that was an amazing company, was managed by really about three people, and they were doing like 5 million over the eight, but really three people. Not Now we are like 40 people in jet cost. And uh, so to say that, Timing, it's key. We start doing, I don't know, dynamic package in 2010, and we spent a lot of effort to do dynamic package, but the technology was not ready. The system was crashing because we have million and million of uh, information in the cache to have all the hotels, all the flight together. And I think the technology was not yet mature when we started. But after, let's say, uh, 10 years, probably we are ahead on this technology because we did a lot of mistakes. Today, probably we have one of the best technology in dynamic package uh, in Europe. This is proven, I would say, not by us, but by booking.com because we are the only service present on all the website of booking in Europe. If you go to package, is our solution. Yep. They use even our brand and they use OC Dreams. They use a lot of different partners. At the end, they choose us. Uh, because we have, let's say, probably a good technology, but there are so many mistakes and so many trail and errors on that you cannot imagine. Uh, and because I think there is, first you need to have the technology that is ready, and then you need to have also the customer that is ready. So it's the, these two things. And probably in eDreams, uh, uh, selling vacation, for example, in uh, 2000, Nobody was ready because at the end you were selling by phone. 
uh, and the, the flight was at the end was the most easy things to sell and having information about the location probably and making money also today there is no really site that is doing it in the right way so you have either TripAdvisor because it's a free source of content or you have site like Evaneos that is a sort of platform that go to take the, the, the local uh, player but it's professional players not people that is doing for free so the, the dream that we still have to do something like he dreams in 99 nobody as far as i know did correctly at the time so uh, just to, because the dream of everyone is i go to i don't know to paris and i meet someone that really give me in the moment the right things to do in paris maybe give me the guide or whatever this is something that also Airbnb tried to do in a way, uh, but nobody really did it yet. So, so there is something that probably is a dream and that is not easy to do in real life. You've, you've made some really interesting acquisitions over the years. You, you mentioned them at the beginning. I, I wondered if you could talk us through, because they all seem to be very, very pivotal to the growth of the company. Yes. Put it along its timeline. Whereas many travel brands make acquisitions here and there, and they seem to be just almost nice things to have. But every acquisition that you've done has seemed to have been incremental to the overall story. If you can, can you talk us through, you know, the Rumbo acquisition and what was the thinking behind that? And then more recently, let's talk about the, the last minute.com one, because that one I think is fascinating. Yes. I think acquisition, it's, uh, I think, one of the key factors of the growth of the company. By the way, with the years, I learned much better big acquisition than small acquisition. For us, all the small acquisition basically was a failure. And the big acquisition was success. Because small acquisition, what is this? New product, new services, new team. At the end, you have a lot of efforts. It's not very clear if it works. Biggest acquisition, it's really transformational for us. So we learn a lot in the acquisition. Consider we bought Rumbo in, uh, I think it was 2010. So we were quite a young company. I think we were about 200 people, 220, and Rumbo was a little bit more like 300. And so the effort we put in going there, in learning, in integrating, in understanding other culture, in was really nice because the way it was born was very funny because uh, I met in a conference with a CEO of Ubo that was a manager. And then I say, okay, but we, and we have a, immediately a very good feeling because we understood that we were working at the same thing with probably different, there is no book how to do this OTA. And so we have to do a lot of solution, especially against the low cost and whatever. And we had some solution and they had some solution. Something were very similar. Something was totally different. And so we said, uh, why we don't do a group to work together and to, just to get a benchmark to understand what is the best route to do everything. And then we share the results. And so we did the first meeting about that. But after the first meeting, we understood that that was too much confidential, too much difficult because you were going really in the inside the, the brain of the company. And so I said, okay, maybe we can buy them because it's the only solution. Everyone told me, you are crazy, Fabio. This company is bigger than you and whatever. But then by chance, the former CFO of E-Dreams, uh, not uh, 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 
I will tell him. I don't remember. It's a good, very good friend of mine, but I'm getting old. Anyway, he was uh, the managing the investment for uh, uh, Carlisle. A, uh, and then I went to meet him in Madrid and he said me, but you know, maybe we can sell because it's Carlisle, it's Telefona, we are not interested anymore in this business. We want to sell it. We can do a special for you without a, a real a, a process. And so by chance, we had the chance to buy Rumbo. Really and it was very funny because then when we really bought, we tried to understand for each thing, each single thing, who were better. And so we tried to integrate these two technologies. And we did a lot of mistake in the integration of Lungo because we took too much time and we wanted to, let's say, save too much things and not to lose anything. And also in the mentality, we talk a lot about emerge, is emerge, is emerge to give more, let's say, uh, to be very kind with the people in Madrid, and also we changed the name, but I will fly Rumbo. But at the end, we discovered that well, this was too much because it took too much time and it was not quick enough. So when we did lastminute.com, that basically was the same because again, we were at the time like uh, 600 and last minute were 700. So it was a little bit bigger than us, both in people that in sales. And they were much more structured than us because they are UK, that I think the school in UK is better than in Southern Europe, and so the people were much more manager. But we were much quicker. It was a very, very good challenge for our people because also we are not mother language in English. And I remember my people saying, Fabio, but it seems they bought us, not the opposite. I said, boys, you are stupid because it's clear that you are the boss. But you cannot, only because they speak better English and they are well-educated and maybe have a master, they have to decide. You have to decide what to do. But in the second part, we were much sharper. By the way, we had a contract with Travelocity that we had to quit all their system because a lot of systems are managed by Travelocity Sabre. In eight months, so we bought in marketing before the end of the year. And so we, we are much, much faster in changing everything with much more risk of discontinuity. For example, our platform of dynamic package was not so, never had this kind of volume because last minute was mainly dynamic package, but with the bad platform. And we take a lot of risk, but at the end we did the things quicker uh, but I think if we do another one, the third one that we do be very, very big, much smaller, but important for us was back the in Germany. On this company, we did in one month. We bought this company out of 100 people. We fire like 80 in one month, 80% of the people. And we merged the platform basically in two months. It was smaller, but it was much faster because we learned a lot. If we, or when we will do the next one, I think we will be even much faster because we understand what really matters. Just, uh, just a, a, a final one from me for a moment. I mean, did you, lastminute.com as a brand, where I'm from here in the UK, was iconic yeah. in you know, the late yeah. 90s through the dot-com boom and the bust and you know, Brent and Martha and they were, you know, they were the, the figureheads of that brand. Yeah. And then did you feel when you bought 
lastminute.com and subsequently changed your corporate name to lastminute.com group. Did you feel that you had to live up to any kind of legacy that that brand name brought with it because of its iconic status as a really early player in the kind of the dot-com travel world? Yeah, let's say that Last Minute, as you said, is the iconic brand. It's very famous wherever it goes. I don't know, in Dubai or in many places. Everyone that is a British culture of that year know lastminute.com. This is a great value. Probably when we bought it, it was very, very going down because the technology was not very good. The people was leaving. The sales was going down. So in 14, 15, it was like a former. Also, the investment was very low. Uh, so we, we, we really, we put, uh, just to give you some numbers, uh, Latmino was invested probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 million in advertising and we are investing much more r- right now. Uh, and we, let's say, learned a lot. We, we, I'd say, incorporated a lot of value of lastminute.com it's a brand that has a lot of value, a lot of iconic, a lot of history. And we try to leverage on that. Also manage the company because we really feel a lot of these things as ours. So to be inspired, to be unconventional. Uh, and we like very much. And so at the end, it was a very good uh, merge. And all the people also in the, let's say, Bravo Fly Rumor, they really like all the spirit of Last Minute. And really, the two key, key people that we kept in last minute are one person is doing internal communication. That is a British guy uh, that is Stuart, that is great. And the other one that is in the hotel part, that is also, and they are really the spirit of last minute. And they teach the spirit of lastminute.com to everyone. Like, for example, I give you an anecdote. In the lastminute.com team, there is a rule that Every time you do a meeting, if you don't, if you say last minute instead of lastminute.com, uh, you drink a I've shot. Yeah, I've because heard that. Because at the end, the brand that you can defend is lastminute.com, not last minute. And yeah. so this came from their culture. We're still using that. Just to say that we incorporate not only the brand, but also a lot of the value and the spirit of the team. So it's funny when my was writing on my intro, I almost said last minute. And then I thought that the fact that you have lastminute.com in, in the title of the group, I was like, that's probably on purpose. Um, so yeah. I made sure to put that in there myself. Um, last question for me. So, you know, I think you said something interesting at the very beginning of talking about why you founded Volo Gratis and that, about how you, you know, were able to do round trip Milan to London for 50 quid and everyone else was, uh, you know, 200 and it's because you embraced low cost carriers and the other guys didn't. And I feel like you see this time and time again in startups in general around uh, worries about cannibalization. And if I had to guess, I'd imagine that Expedia and all these other guys uh, didn't want to cannibalize their high margin, uh, you know, flights that they were, uh, they were, you know, uh, making reservations on in exchange for low cost carriers that they were going to make nothing on and you came in and did it and you know unseated them in in some ways and so my question to you i guess is you know how are you avoiding cannibalization of your own business right now what are you you know what is what's next for you and how are you staying ahead of the curve but i mean uh this is is a funny question because everyone think about the cannibalization the reality we were making more money with low-cost flights that 
with a normal flight. The real point was not cannibalization. The real point was uh, uh, that the, both Expedia and most of the site has technology in US, the decision to make US, so they didn't be about what was uh, the low cost flight, it was a European phenomenon. So, and then uh, selling uh, low cost flight is also in a way illegal from some airlines. We had a lot of uh, trial discussion, court cases with Ryanair, fortunately always won. Uh, and so for big corporation it was not so easy to really to decide to go to low cost flight. So that was different. I think that at the end in general about uh, it's not really cannibalization. It's just a question of how much margin you have to do and you can you can take to do. The real point is you have to give value to the customer. We, what we see that every time you give value to the customer, at the end, you can make margin. Give some example. Today, agency fee for a lot of flights, but we sell a lot of insurance on the flights. And especially now, for example, with the COVID, people really like to have a good insurance and it's, it's a great amount of people that want to have flexibility in flying. So at the end, the real point, it's really try to give the best, the people is ready to pay for a premium if they have a good service. And so at the end, is, uh, is, uh, this is the key. And then, uh, for example, for us, the, the, the question you do is always about, we are both Meta and uh, OTA. And there could be cannibalization to be uh, OTA or Meta, but we try to manage not thinking only on the short-term margin, but to think more in the long-term value for the customers. Okay, so the last one from me then, Fabio, and it kind of... I suppose in a way it draws on your entire career to the here and now really. I mean, what have you learned over your career that's helping you through this particular time? I mean, there's a lot of pressure on online travel agencies. Um, everyone's involved in, you know, issues around refunds and things like that, which is, it's not only complicated, but it's very painful. I mean, what have you learned personally through your time as an entrepreneur that's helping you get through some of those issues? Okay, first uh, I learned that cash is king. So at the end, uh, we were very, I don't know if wise or was a contingency case, I don't know, that we had a lot of cash. So we started the uh, the, the situation of COVID with uh, more than 130 million of uh, uh, net financial position. And uh, Lee, you understand what when there is crisis, uh, Cash is the only thing because maybe uh, you can even fail, even if you have a very uh, strong company, if you don't have cash. And uh, uh, this is a lesson that some liquidity and cash is something that in the good period you never consider. In the negative period is the key part. That's why all the government are giving a lot of money to the company because if you don't have cash, is a problem. So this is, uh, is, is, is very important. And then also that you can you have to consider that can happen very unusual case. We had a very similar problem, much less at the, at the end, when there was the eruption, I don't know if you remember, of the volcano in Iceland, like I think it was the 2010, something like that, 2010. for two months. 
nobody was flying in Europe and it was not clear. And also that you had to be very quick in react. You didn't know you need to have cash. And so there are these events can happen. It's already the second time that happened. This is much worse, of course, because it's much longer. And uh, uh, so to say, first thing, first you have to have your own source to survive. And second, that is the good thing, is also not to think that everything will change and the body will be the same. I don't believe that. I think that also this COVID it will last, it will become like before, like the, the volcano, because when they find a vaccino, at the end, uh, will finish very, very quickly. But uh, this unexpected event can happen, and you have to be very uh, ready to uh, survive that. So also to be very quick to do measures like uh, lying out of people, uh, closing offices, uh, and work on the cost. I mean, because at the moment, the only thing we manage is cash. We don't care about ABDA or these things. It's cash-based management. Okay. Um, thank you very much uh, for spending the time with us uh, today, Fabio. We really appreciate it. Okay. Okay. So uh, this was another episode of How I Got Here. That's uh, Mozio and Focuswire's uh, weekly podcast where we talk to the entrepreneurs and innovators in travel and transportation. If you're listening to this and you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe to our podcast in the usual places. That's Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Alexa, Google Podcasts, all those places. So uh, make sure you subscribe, leave us a good review and all those kind of things. So thanks so much again to Fabio. And uh, on behalf of David and I, thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to How I Got Here podcast. We'll be back next week with more inside stories behind startups and innovation in travel and transportation. Check mozio.com slash move for a complete write-up of the highlights of every podcast with translations into five languages. And get your daily dose of news on the digital travel economy by subscribing to the newsletter at focuswire.com. See you next week.